What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 50 of the Gridiron Authority podcast. My name is Keith Thornton. With me, as always, my co-host, Mike Adams. Mike, what are we looking forward to this week? Oh, we've got a lot of lot of good games to cover. We have some big upsets, some disappointing performances, uh, a near win by the Jets. Uh, another Washington quarterback goes down. Uh, then we also have the, the minority, uh, I guess, compensation, you would say, to cover. So a lot of a lot of good stuff this week. All right, let's get into it. Okay, let's get started with that rule, the minority resolution that passed today at the midseason meetings. We talked about this in the offseason because there was a rumor that something like this could come about. Um, the reason it's controversial is up until now, the Rooney rule makes it to where you have to uh, interview a minority candidate uh, for both your head coach position and your GM position. But this new rule is the first rule that actually rewards and affects the game, essentially, because now if you hire a minority coach, you're going to get compensatory draft picks. If you lose a coach, you're going to get uh, lose a minority coach to a head coaching job. Sorry, you're going to get two compensatory draft picks. Do you agree with you know? And when we kind of talked about this too during the off season, it was a uh, you know we acknowledge that there is an issue in the NFL on some of these coaches getting passed over. But uh, in my mind, I don't know that it should affect the on field. I mean, quality. I mean, you're get, basically giving people extra players by doing this. So, what do you think of this rule? Uh, I mean, I, I, uh, I'd say I like it. I don't know if I necessarily agree that it should be, th- I think they're third round picks if I remember right. Yes. Um, I don't know if I'd say they should be third round, but I think something like a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick, something that could make a difference, but also doesn't give you too big of an advantage. Um, I think would be a little bit better, but I, I do like that. They're, they're obviously making an effort. Um, to fix what is an issue in the NFL um, from a coaching standpoint and from a executive standpoint. So uh, I do like that they're making an effort. I think the the compensation's a little high. Um, but again, I do like that they're at least making an effort for it. Yeah, to me, one of the things that is a good part of the rule is you, the coach has to be employed for a minimum of two years. So it can't be like the Cardinals did a couple of years ago where they hire a guy and then fire the next year and then get rewarded. So you yeah. got to at least have two years there, but you know, some concerns pop up. Are people going to take advantage of this as far as, um, you know, getting, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say compensated because it is a comp, a compensatory pick, but they're not, I mean, those picks don't obviously aren't guaranteed to do anything because they're technically they're third round picks, but they're actually at the top of the fourth round. But are you going to see teams that are like the Jets, where it's a rebuilding year? We're going to go ahead and hire a minority candidate just so we can get a couple draft picks, uh, and that's where the two years comes in handy. But it's still possible that um, that these teams kind of take advantage of it. Do you think that's something that could happen? Um, I could see it uh, potentially happening if a team knows that they're heading into, you know, a th- uh, say a two to four year rebuilding period, which the Jets are. Um, I could see them doing something like that to try and stockpile some picks uh, and, and try and gain some extra players. I, I could see that, but I don't think it'll be because you do have to wait two years. Um, you know, I don't think that'll affect it too much, but I'm sure um, over the next 
say this rules in effect for the next 10 years, at least um, I'm sure we'll probably see a few instances like that. Um, but I don't think it's going to be a, a huge problem. And we kind of talked about this too early in the year. I would have liked to see more financial compensation than actual draft pick compensation. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, you get an extra 500,000 or a couple million dollars, whatever it is to the team that can help with your signing bonuses or whatever, not necessarily salary cap or anything like that, but I don't yeah. like it when, when a rule like this affects the on-field stuff because you never know. A couple of those third-round picks you might get might be uh, the next studs of the NFL. So it's going to be really interesting to watch how this actually affects it, whether it's going to backfire or it's going to be successful in their mission. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's dive into some game recaps. We had some really good games this week. Let's start with the Packers and the 49ers on Thursday night. Packers win 34-17. What do you think? I mean, we I think we talked about it last week. We thought this was going to be a blowout. I think I think we both predicted a double digit win for the Packers because the 49ers are just hurt. Uh, I mean, I think what do they have? It's 80 million dollars in salary cap uh, on the on the injured reserve right now. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it you know, everyone, I think, was was hoping for this great rematch of the NFC championship game from last year. And, you know, the Packers to avenge their loss, which technically they did. But. Um, obviously not against the same team. But with that being said, uh, the Packers came in on the road uh, and played a team that they should have beat, they should have handedly beat, and they did their job. Um, they did what they were supposed to do. Aaron Rodgers looked great. Aaron Jones looked great. Uh, Devontae Adams looked great. Defense looked really good. Uh, I mean, they they dominated this game until they kind of – basically they started putting in backups in the fourth quarter and – you know, the 49ers were able to reel off a couple touchdowns to make it look closer than it really was. But, you know, it was, what, 31-3 going into the fourth quarter, I think. So, yeah. um, so I mean, it, the Packers did what they were supposed to do. So, you know, good for them. Yeah, and that's one of the things that it, it kind of just makes you feel bad for the 49ers because I really liked the team last year, obviously, going and putting up a hell of a fight against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Then I liked what John Lynch did in the offseason, uh, what they did in the draft. And uh, it just didn't come together this year. I mean, it happens to, to a lot of teams, and it's disappointing for them, but I think they're in really good shape for the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing with them and, and a few of these other teams are it's, it's you know, the fans are probably down right now because they were in the Super Bowl last year, but at the end of the day, they're not a bad team. They don't have to do anything. They just have to get healthy. It's kind of like the Steelers last year. It's, it's not that the Steelers were actually a 500 team. Um, it's that they were just so banged up and now we're seeing what the Steelers have turned into now that they don't have all these injuries uh, and not saying the 49ers will get that dominant, but um, I mean, really all they got to do is just get healthy and they're probably back in the playoffs next year. Absolutely. All right, let's check out the Texans and Jags game up. Uh, obviously this wouldn't be not one we normally talk about Houston winning 27, 25, but it was a rookie quarterback starting um, yep. Jake Button. He had over 300 yards. Is this a, uh, the end of Minshew mania? No, nah, I don't think so. I mean, the the Texans have a you know, honestly their defense just isn't good right now. Uh, no one really knew what the game plan would be with James Lutton out there, uh, and I think the Jaguars, you know, just they they overplayed a little bit. Um, but I do, you know, I like what James Robinson's doing. I, he, I still have him as my rookie of the year pick. Uh, Jake Lutton had a great game, but I think this is definitely Gardner Minshew's team at least for this season. Um, it'll be, you know interesting to see what they do with the quarterback position at, you know during the offseason but um, I mean really the disappointing part in this is this should have been a game the Texans 
I mean, they should have won by 10 points, honestly, at least 10 points with a rookie quarterback playing and, uh, and, and some other injuries and stuff. But, uh, I mean, the Texans really didn't play that great of a game, honestly. Uh, again, I thought they should have won this by 10 points, but I mean, at the end of the day, we said before a win's a win and they got their second one. So, yeah, I think this is like the beginning of the end kind of thing for the Texans, uh, and it seems like every move they make is being criticized on social media by J.J. Uh, Watt. So I can't imagine he's on the team next year. I think they trade him in the offseason. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, basically they're losing all their star power. So it's going to take a, a magnificent effort from that front office to make this team a viable contender again next year. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a look at the Giants and, and, and uh, sorry, the Washington football team. Giants win 23-20, but the the big news of the game, and this had to be hard to watch for you because it's essentially the same injury Dak Prescott had. Kyle Allen goes down with a dislocated and broken ankle. The only plus side of it is Alex Smith gets to come in, and it it appears it's going to be his team from from now on. He had a rough game, one touchdown, three picks, but uh, uh, it's going to be Alex Smith's team, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, obviously, I feel bad for Kyle, Kyle Allen. I know we've been critical of him and and his his ability to play, you know, to be a starter in the league. But um, we obviously don't ever want to see that type of injury. But uh, I mean, Alex Smith, he his stats I think look worse than they actually were because he only had eight incompletions the entire game. Three of them just happened to be to the other team. Um, I mean, he actually like you look at his stat line; it's it's twenty four thirty two, three hundred twenty five yards and a touchdown. And three interceptions. Uh, but when you think about I mean, he's barely played for, I mean, the the only other game he's played in really was, was that a uh, Rams game where he had Aaron Donald down his, you know, down his yeah. throat the entire game yeah. basically. And um, I mean, honestly, I didn't think, you know, he threw three interceptions, but I, you know, I didn't really think he played that bad. Um, I think it's a deceiving three interceptions. Honestly, it's, you know, obviously he's going to be rusty, uh, reading defenses and and his decision making and things like that, but um, we all know that Alex Smith doesn't make a lot of mistakes, honestly. So I think once he he's got the full week to practice now and uh, and know that he's going to be starting, know that he's going to be playing, and they're going to build the offense around his abilities. Uh, I think he's going to be fine moving forward. But it was a good win by the Giants. Uh, Daniel Jones had a good game. Um, I liked Wayne Gallman running the ball. Um, I mean, they 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 had a good game. It was surprisingly for for two teams that had a combined three wins going into it um it was a much better game than i thought it would be yeah and i want to get your opinion on this this is i read this article today which kind of blew my mind so alex smith's a starter now kyle mm-hmm. allen's out for the year uh, Dwayne haskins would be the presumed number two i read today that they're going to activate steven montez the rookie from colorado and let him come in and essentially, they said that if Alex Smith goes down, he might get to start over Dwayne Haskins. Like, what the hell is going on with Dwayne Haskins right now? I really don't know, honestly. I mean, Haskins Haskins didn't play that bad at the beginning of the year. I don't. There's got to be more to this story that we don't know about of why he's not playing um, because he didn't play that bad. Um, not not to be demoted to this extent. Um, you know, I, I, honestly, I thought Dwayne Haskins should have been a guy that set for a full year plus probably this year, honestly, because he didn't really have that much experience at Ohio State. Um, I think he only had, what, one year um, yeah. of a full-time starting experience. So, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, it would have been great if Alex Smith was healthy last year and this year, and he could have just sat and learned 
um, kind of like Patrick Mahomes, but even longer than Mahomes. Uh, so, I mean, there's got to be more to this that we don't know about because, again, he he wasn't playing great, but he wasn't playing that bad to be demoted to this extent to where they're going to sign, you know, uh, a rookie to come in and, and start over him after two other guys have also started over him, um, one of which hasn't played in two years. So there's got to be more to it that we just don't know about. Yeah, because you can't tell me. I mean, I've watched Steven Montez at Colorado. He's a big kid, 6'5", 235. But, I mean, he's not – even in the same – he shouldn't even be in the same sentence as Dwayne Haskins. So I'm with you. There has to be something off the field or in the locker room. Something else is going on here. Um, otherwise, I don't know what in the heck Ron Rivera is doing because they're basically bringing in guys off the street to start over their first-round draft pick. It's yeah. a little insane. And, and honestly, if you're going to do that, why wouldn't you have traded him a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Find a team and give him anything. Because right now, if you're if you're showing other teams that you're going to start anybody over this kid, you're going to get nothing out of him in the offseason. So yeah. I, I'm surprised they didn't pull the trigger before week eight. Yeah, I mean, they're they're killing their own trade value of a first-round pick. Um, I mean, we knew that even if he got traded, he wasn't going to get a first-round pick back. Um, but, I mean, at this point, it's I mean, you're almost making him untradeable, honestly, because of everything you're – you know, basically how you're treating him. Uh, at this point, you know you're probably not making the playoffs. It'd be better off just to to let Dwayne Haskins start and let him show some flashes and show some potential to teams, and, and give them build up that trade value rather than diminishing it like you are. But uh, I mean, it's Washington, and this is what they do. This is why they've been bad for 20 years, basically. So, hey, absolutely. All right, let's take a look at the Ravens Colts. This game uh, we thought would be one of the top, you know, it's kind of like an AFC playoff type matchup, but is it that the Colts aren't in the Ravens league at 24 10 and the Ravens handled it the whole game? Uh, what do you think of this one? Uh, you know, I thought the Colts were playing pretty well. Um, and then I, I thought they just, the Ravens just kind of ripped their throat out with that. What was it, a fumble recovery for a touchdown? Yep. Um, it was like 58 yards or something like that. Um, whatever that play was, but yeah, I think up until that point, I actually thought the Colts were, were outplaying the Ravens. And then from that point on the Raven, I mean, like I said, it's almost like the, the Ravens just ripped the Colts throat out, uh, and they just stomped on them after that. So, um, I mean, it was a good game up until that point, but, um, Still not, you know, I still have concerns about the Ravens. I mean, they're still not throwing the ball extremely well. Uh, they don't really have much of a running game outside of Lamar Jackson, honestly. Uh, I mean, he led the team in rushing with 58 yards on 13 carries. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'd like to see him figure something out. They, they have J.K. Dobbins. Uh, they have Gus Edwards, you know, uh, uh, the other running back. I can't, Ingram, uh, will yeah. be back soon, presumably. Um, so, I mean, they've got these three you know, honestly, workhorse running backs that they could ride and take a little bit of pressure off of Lamar Jackson. But uh, they're they're not really doing that, honestly. So it's, you know, I'd like to see him do something and and, uh, you know, create a little more breathing room for Lamar Jackson, run the ball a little better um, and hopefully open up that pass a little bit. But uh, one cool thing that was uh, for me personally was nice was seeing Des Bryant in a uniform on the sideline again. So uh, didn't have didn't have any catches, but uh, I mean, I I said several weeks ago that it would take him, you know, several weeks. I don't expect him to make a big impact until, you know, probably that week 11, 12, 13 range. So, 
this in this game to me it tells me two stories. One, I don't know what's going on with the the Ravens' offense, but it's not good. I mean, you look at you're talking about the running backs. They had 23 carries and they're averaging just over two yards a carry, which is you know yeah. not great. And then Lamar Jackson, of course, had 13 carries. So you're talking about a team whose only identity is a running team that can't run the ball. So yeah, uh, granted, this Colts defense is also really good. They are. Um, and then the other story is you flip it over to Philip Rivers. We we say he doesn't win you games, but he doesn't really lose you games uh he has been losing him games but this one pick by the way if you watch the highlights had to be the worst call in nfl history i don't know if you saw that pick but basically uh marcus peters caught it took a step backwards the ball got knocked out of his hands and they reviewed it and called it an interception uh it was he didn't even go to the ground he basically hit his hands he took one step and then the ball got punched out and they called it a pick so um i don't i mean when you're looking at this when you're looking at teams like the Steelers and the chiefs, it's going to be hard for either one of these teams who right now are, you know, some of the favorites in the division here or in their divisions. I don't think they're going to be able to compete against those high powered offensive teams because they're, they're played defense run the football. And we see what happens like to the 49ers last year, they're going to need to figure out this offense. And, and today Lamar Jackson comes out and says, it's a problem. He goes up to the line of scrimmage and the defenders are yelling out their place. They know exactly what the Ravens are going to do. So they need to take a look in the mirror, figure out what's going on with their play calls. And honestly, they need to, like you said, lean on your running backs and not so much on your quarterback running the football. If you do that, you can establish some stuff. And and honestly, if you look at it, four and a half yards of carry for a, a quarterback is not great because no. typically quarterbacks are 10 or 12 yards because they aren't expecting you to run. Um, so they're shutting them down and running. So they got to get this thing figured out. And the Colts, they just have to stop turning the ball over. Um, I mean, those two big even though the interception was kind of BS. So they got a pick and they got a fumble return for a touchdown. It's a whole different game if those two things don't happen. So yeah, I mean, get it cleaned up. And, and honestly, the Ravens, I mean, to do, they could do some of the things you see teams like the Chiefs are doing, you know, using Mr. Right. I mean, they've got Marquise Brown on their team. Like they've got a speedster on their team that's, that's, you know, probably I'd say equal speed to McCole Hardman on the Chiefs. Uh, and look at some of the gadget stuff they have him do, you know, taking those shovel passes or into rounds, things like that. They could, they could, you know, just use some misdirection and do things like that to, to get the defense, you know, just, just confused a little bit. Um, and even if it's you literally just send uh, uh, Marquise Brown on an end around, uh, you know, three, four five, six straight plays, even if you don't ever give him the ball, it's just knowing that you could um, that you could shovel it to him, that you could pitch it to him, that you could do all this stuff, you know, could, you know, get the defense out of position enough to break open a run for J.K. Dobbins or Ingram or or Gus Edwards or to set up a, you know, a bootleg and get. Uh, Lamar Jackson out of the pocket and get him thrown on the run to, you know, a little 12 to 15 yard out or something like that. You know, you could, you know, that's what the Chiefs do a lot and you could do a lot of that stuff, but um, they're just basically lining up and running, I mean, almost a basic high school offense. Um, it's, it's great. I mean, I'm watching some high school games. I think high schools run a more complicated offense than the Ravens. So they definitely got to do something. Yeah. I think their, <laughs> their whole principle is, you know, what we're going to do, but can you stop it? Yeah, and uh, if he can, then they're done, and and that's basically what it is. When they played the Chiefs, Chiefs stopped it, and they were done. Yep, uh, they're they're willing to put the chips in the table and say, "Hey, you know exactly what we're going to do. Go ahead and try to stop us, and if you can do it, you can be successful against the Ravens." Yep. All right, let's talk about the Vikings and Lions here. Uh, not a super exciting game, but the Vikings coming back and and they're winning a couple games, and they're doing it without Kirk Cousins essentially because even though he had three touchdowns. 
this guy in the last two games has like, I think he has 25 completions in the last two games. Yeah. Uh, Dalvin Cook is where this team's running through right now. 22 carries for 206 yards and two touchdowns this game. This guy's putting his name in the MVP race by having these games. What do you think of this one? I mean, this is how the Vikings need to win. I mean, we we've said that for a while is, you know, Kirk Cousins can make some plays for you here and there, but you don't want to rely on Kirk Cousins to make those plays. You want you want those to be the bonus plays. You want to rely on Dalvin Cook to make those plays. And and uh, Amir Abdullah, I think, had a touchdown in this game for the Vikings as well. Right. He did. Um, yeah. I mean, you want to rely on Dalvin Cook and Amir Abdullah and those other guys to make the plays. And then for, you know, Kirk Cousins to just kind of pick his spots and, you know, little, little drop off here and, you know, maybe, maybe take a couple shots downfield. And that's what they've been doing. I mean, he, he only had 13 completions, but he threw for 220 yards and three touchdowns. Like that's the type of game you want Kirk cousins to have. You don't want Kirk cousins to, you know, to have 45 passing attempts and throw for 450 yards. Like it looks great on paper, but that's not how the Vikings are going to win football games. And um, they've been, uh, you know, to their credit, they've been doing a great job of of doing really what they should do is having Kirk Cousins manage the game uh, and letting Dalvin Cook open up that defense a little bit for him and and have Kirk Cousins pick his spots because he's been doing a great job of that the last couple of games. So um, despite only having, like you said, I think 25 completions, I mean, that if Dalvin Cook's running the ball like this, that's all he needs, obviously. So um, great win by the Vikings. The Lions are obviously starting to slip a little bit. I know. Uh, Matt Stafford really didn't get to practice at all because he was on the, the COVID list. So he was out for five days. So uh, it's not surprising that their offense looked a little rusty. But uh, I mean, the Lions are starting to slip, obviously, and the Vikings are making a little bit of a push. And, you know, we talked about them being spoilers for the second half of the season. So I think that's what they're I think that's what they're lining up to be. Yeah, and then the other thing is, can Dalvin Cook keep this pace up? I mean, it, it's hard on running back running for 200 yards a game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously I don't think he's going to keep this pace up, but I think if he can consistently get him over 100 yards and they can consistently run for that 150 or so as a team, um, that sets up a lot of great things. So, All right, let's move forward to another exciting running back. Christian McCaffrey comes back against the Chiefs, and and I tell you what, it made the game a lot more interesting having him there. Uh, Chiefs pull out a close one, 33-31. But honestly, this was like one of the games of the week for me. This was a a really fun game to watch, nerve-wracking if you're a Chiefs fan. But the Chiefs offense looked on on point. The defense struggled a little bit against the run game. But what did you think of this one? I mean, this game kind of went the way we we thought it would. I said if Christian McCaffrey played, it would be a lot closer and a lot more enter, entertaining, uh, and he did. And, I mean, McCaffrey looked great. I had him in my fantasy league. I think he got me 37 points, I believe. Uh, I easily won that league, won both my leagues this week. I, I think you lost both, right? Yeah, it's really not important. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, it is – the, the Panthers threw everything they had at him, and the Chiefs were still able to win. It was great to see Christian McCaffrey back. Um, you really got reminded of how dynamic of a player he is. Uh, I think he had 10 catches along with 18 carries, so 28, 29 touches this game. Um, had multiple tu- – well, had two touchdowns, right? Yep. So, I mean, we got a reminder of how dynamic he is. With that being said, the Chiefs still won the game. I mean, we this was really a showcase of – you know, a team having everything thrown at them and still walking away with the W. So, um, I mean, it's a showcase, really. It, it's a it's a statement for both teams. It shows that the Panthers can score some points if they need to, um, as long as Christian McCaffrey's healthy. 
but it also shows that you, that the Chiefs can withstand everything. So, um, I mean, it was a great game. It was it was awesome to watch. I think Pam Oliver said it the best on the sidelines interviewing Mahomes. She said, "When you're the Super Bowl champs, every, you're going to get the best of everybody." Yeah, um, and, and you saw that with with Teddy Bridgewater. That guy played a really good game. Awesome game. I mean, I mean he threw through fifty times, completed thirty six passes. His fourth down run was amazing, oh, elevating yeah. up in the air. I mean, I was actually kind of rooting for the guy because obviously with that injury he had, it was so devastating. It, it's good to see a guy do that, and they yep. they did. They they pretty much played the perfect game. They hit a fake punt. They played good on all sides of the ball. Uh, and on the flip side, we say week in and week out, these are the team. These are the games that good teams win. Yep. Um, the Chiefs took the best thing that the Carolina Panthers could give them, and then they still won. Um, yep. And they won. And when we said this too with the Chiefs' offense, they can kill you with the run one week, and then they can kill you with the pass the next week. This week, uh, they didn't even run the ball. They ran the ball with their running backs nine times for a total of 22 yards. Yep. So, but Mahomes had 372 and four touchdowns. But I'm going to tell you this. I was looking at some stats earlier. My MVP for the Chiefs so far, Travis Kelsey. Good Lord, that guy's having a heck of a year. Yeah. He had 159 yards in this game. Get this. He's the, if you look at uh, stats for all receivers and tight ends combined, he's the number two receiver in the league. And he's the number three pass blocking tight end. So everyone always said, oh, Travis Kelsey's just basically a wide receiver playing tight end. Well, he's blocking better than uh, most other tight ends, too. So he's the, the total package this year, and he's doing what he does every year, which is tur- churn out 100-yard games, game after game after game. He's at almost 800 yards already this year. So yeah. it's easily going to be another 1,000-yard season for him, and he's going to blow away tight end records like nobody's business. Yeah, and and you know, last week we both picked uh, Russell Wilson as our as our league MVP. Um, but I think with the game that Mahomes had last week, the game that he had this week, uh, and just his overall season, I think he's up to twenty five and one on touchdowns, like touchdown to interception ratio. Yep, it's twenty twenty five one or twenty four one. And, and he has two rushing touchdowns. So he's yeah, and twenty seven one in total. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think with with that being said, honestly, like. Yeah, Mahomes is probably taking the MVP lead, especially with how Russell Wilson played this last week. And, uh, and you know, Russell Wilson's kind of been one of the causes of, of the Seahawks losing a couple of their games. So uh, I, I think with that factored in, I, I honestly have to say Mahomes has taken the lead in the MVP race at this point. So, um, well, they're going into a bye week, but, I mean, they're, they should be even better coming out of it, honestly. They're going to get rested up. I know they've had a – a handful of players, Chris Jones, and now McCole Hardman, I believe, was put on the yep. the COVID list uh, earlier today. Um, obviously, that shouldn't affect anything because they're going into a bye, but um, it'll allow them to get some stuff kind of cleaned up and taken care of and, and be ready to go for this second half of the season. And I will briefly touch on, I don't know if you saw this, the Chiefs have filed a grievance with the NFL because basically the NFL PA sent a member out to um, – basically talk to the team, give a speech to the team. The guy wasn't wearing a mask and hadn't been tested, and they think that's where their COVID is coming from. Yeah. It's an outside source from an outside the organization. So they're actually wanting the NFL to investigate that. So something to keep an eye on. Don't know if it's uh, traceable, if that's really what happened, but it's interesting to, to know that they're so strict on everything, and then they just let an NFL PA rep come on in with no mask and stuff. So Yeah, and, uh, and I, I read, too, that they don't have the like the – the player like the NFLPA or NFL executives, anything like that, 
um, actually follow the same guidelines as as teams, um, which to me is a little. I mean, you're basically saying you got to do this, but we don't need to worry about it, um, which is a little little ridiculous, especially if that is the cause of of uh, you know the Chiefs' little minor COVID outbreak. For sure, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, right, let's talk about Russell Wilson here, and 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 you brought up an interesting point. I said last week in our midseason that Russell Wilson's the MVP, but I said I didn't see him ending the season that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it didn't take long for me to change that, and I'm with you. Um, two guys actually really fell off this week with Tom Brady and Russell Wilson. But let's start with Russell Wilson going against the Bills. I mean, the score looks pretty decent, 44-34, to 34, but this was a blowout from the start. Russell Wilson ended up having four total turnovers, two picks, two fumbles. What did you think of this game? I mean, this uh, number one. I, I just want to say for the Bills, this was that that statement win that they needed. This was that big that big game. Um, they've kind of struggled against uh, against other top teams in the league. They've really been kind of cherry picking those those uh, you know those those uh, seller dweller you know seller seller dwelling teams basically, yeah. um, and then kind of struggling against the better teams uh, and. You know, they came out and like you said, they just thumped the Seahawks from the beginning. I mean, it was Josh Allen. I mean, for, you know, not to dog on Troy Aikman because I love the guy. Um, but Josh Allen looked like a pretty damn accurate quarterback. Um, you know, 31 to 38, uh, 415 yards, three touchdowns. He always runs the ball well. Stephon Diggs was basically a throwaway receiver for Miami. I mean, they essentially said, we're good in, or not Miami, Minnesota. Uh, they basically said we're good enough to win without you, and you know, look what he's done for Minnesota's offense, and look what he look how, uh, or look what he's done for Buffalo's offense, and look how Minnesota's offense is doing uh, without him, really. So, um, the passing offense, at least. So, uh, I mean, so number one, just amazing game by the Bills, uh, and then two, I mean, yeah, the the Seahawks they have two losses, uh, and both of them are are really Russell Wilson's faults. I mean, because he he played bad games. Uh, now, with that being said, they still don't have any sort of running game. Uh, DJ Dallas led led their team in rushing with 31 yards and a touchdown uh, on seven carries. So, uh, I mean, they they just have no no running game. They got to figure, you know. And it's like the Chiefs, you know, we the, we just mentioned the Chiefs only ran for 20 something yards, but they have the ability to run the ball if they want to. The Seahawks don't like they just don't have anything, especially if Chris Carson's out. But even with Chris Carson. You know, it's not a consistent running game. He he's shut down a lot of games, uh, and he'll kind of have some big games here and there to to make the stats look more balanced than they really are. But they got to do something about the running game, though. I'll tell you this too: not a lot of people are talking about this, but the Seahawks' defense is awful right now. Yeah, uh, I'm going to read you some scores here. This is points allowed by game this year: twenty-five to the Falcons, thirty to the Patriots, thirty-one to the Cowboys, twenty-three to the Dolphins, twenty-six to the Vikings, thirty-four. Or sorry, thirty-seven to the Cardinals, twenty-seven to the Forty ers and forty-four to the Bills. Yep. I mean, they're averaging over allowing thirty points a game, which is it has to rank among you know the last in the NFL. Yeah. They're lucky Russell Wilson's putting up the the touchdowns he is, or they could easily have two wins right now. And, yeah. and you look at some of those teams too. I mean, the Falcons, Patriots, Cowboys. Even though the Cowboys had Dak at the time, but. Um, you're looking at these games and you're like, these are our offenses that have been struggling. Even uh, Vikings before uh, Dalvin cooks turned it on 49ers with some injuries. So there, I think there's room for concern. Like you're, you're playing that 
that bad on defense, you have to have perfect offensive games. And when you've got a guy who now I think Russell Wilson's up to, what is it like eight or nine total turnovers this year? Yep. Um, that's that hurts you. And when we're talking about the MVP race, Mahomes has one. So, yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because their schedule is not super hard the rest of the year. But I can tell you that they can't sustain allowing 30 points a game all year. Yeah, for sure. I step up Broncos Falcons here only because I enjoy this. Um, the Falcons got a lead and they held it. They almost blew it, but they ended up uh, pulling off the win 34 27. Yeah, so this is an interesting game because you have a team in the Broncos who can't play first half football at all. They play great second half. Um, and then you have the Falcons who always play great first halves but can't play a second half. So it's kind of a what's going to give. Uh, and it turned out the first half matters more than the second half, in this game at least. Um, but, I mean, it, they, they literally played the exact way we thought both teams would play. We thought the Falcons would get off to a fast start. We thought the Broncos would close the gap in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, it was 20 to three at halftime. Uh, and then in the second half, the Broncos won 24, 14. So, um, I mean, it's literally the exact way we thought this would play out. Um, with that being said, you know, Hey, Falcons are what two and one since they fired Dan Quinn. Yep. Um, you know, and, and then the Bronco, I mean, Drew Locke, you know, I'll say Drew Locke's looking better. I mean, he's getting, uh, he's getting more consistent. He's putting, you know, his stats are starting to get there a little bit. Jerry Judy is starting to turn it on and, and, uh, really become a number one receiver. So it'll be interesting next year to see, uh, Jerry Judy, when, when they got Cortland Sutton back, um, and KJ Hamler's, you know, in his second year as well at that point. So I, I think they, they have some promising things happening right now, uh, in Denver for the most part. Um, some stuff to look forward to at least for next year. And the Falcons, I mean, we're, we're seeing that, you know, as much as some people may not want to hear it, that Dan Quinn kind of was the issue, you know, I mean, they're, they're two and one, which is well, not and a, the, and that one loss was they scored too early to take yeah. the lead in the fourth quarter and yeah. the team came back. So even then it was almost a win. Had Todd Gurley fell down at the half yard line, they have their three and oh, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, and I know that's a small sample to, to look at. I, I understand that, but you know, facts are facts. I mean, they're, they're not blowing the leads that they were with Dan Quinn. Uh, they've gotten close a couple of times, but they've held on. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just little tweaks here and there, which we've talked about, you know, uh, and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, uh, over 500 team um, in the last three games. So, uh, I mean, good for them. And like I said, they're, you know, the Broncos are, are, you know, they're almost in that, that stage that we wanted some of these other teams in just kind of showing progression. And, and they are, you know, Drew Locke's progressing a little bit, maybe not as much as some people want him to, but uh, Jerry Judy's progressing. Uh, the run game is solid. As long as they can keep running the ball, they keep falling behind early, uh, which makes them stop running the ball. But if they could ever, you know, just kind of maintain and stay even with the team for the first half. I mean, their run game is good. Uh, and the defense really isn't that bad, honestly. I know they gave up 34 points this week, but, you know, when you factor in the injuries that they have, the defense is actually, you know, they're, they're not that bad, honestly. So um, good, you know, good overall game for both teams, but uh, so inter- feel, entertaining game. I feel bad for Broncos fans because, honestly, I don't like Drew Locke and his attitude, honestly. It's it's annoying because last week he literally comes out and plays one of the worst first halves you've seen. 
And then he comes back and wins the game. And then he's, he's literally, the fans were booing at the half. And then after the game, he's like, don't start booing too early. Well, then he comes out the next game, does the same thing, but he can't make the comeback. It's like, just go to work, go to work and actually work on getting a complete game. Don't try like jokingly calling out the fans because you pulled a comeback out of your ass there. Like get to work and put a full game together and win some games because right now, uh, his arrogance is coming from, I don't really know where, I mean, I think at the half of this game, even he had like less than a hundred yards and was barely 50% of his yeah. passes. So until the guy could put a full game together, I I'd like to see him be a little bit more modest. Yeah. Um, and, and it, and it'll be interesting to see if they can do that, you know, put two halves of football together because they can win football games if they can. If they do the same thing they did in the second half and the first half, they could be putting up 40 points a game and, and really make some damage. But yeah. right now, we haven't seen that that's possible. Yep. Let's talk about another young quarterback here, Justin Herbert. He just cannot win games for whatever reason. Raiders pull one out, 31-26. Chargers throw what looked like a touchdown at the last second and they went into review. They overturned it. Game was over. So what would you think of this one? I mean, it was it was an entertaining game. We, but I think this went roughly the same way we we thought it would. Is that the, you know, the Chargers were going to put up a good fight, but they weren't going to be able to do anything at the end. Uh, the Raiders, despite being how young they are, still have the experience as a team over the Chargers. Uh, but Justin Herbert, I mean, they're not necessarily losing these games because of Justin Herbert. I mean, the guys right. com- coming out and putting up. I mean, I think I saw a stat the other day, and it was showing, it was showing. Uh, uh, Mahomes and and uh, Herbert like next to each other and their stats are I mean through the first five or six starts whatever it was are almost identical the only difference is is that Mahomes had more wins and you know I think Mahomes was five and one and Herbert was one and five or something like that Um, so but I mean so you know Herbert is, is playing a hell of a game they just you know some other things just aren't working in their favor honestly the defense has given up some bad plays and you know they're not running the ball particularly well at the moment so um but it was a good win by the raiders they're five and three now they're i i think pretty securely uh in that playoff hunt you know they're they're right where they want to be they're on pace for a good 10 and 6 record at the moment uh and the chargers i mean they're you know again they're they're right they're right there i mean they're on the cusp of a lot of great things they just got to learn how to finish a game Yep, and that'll come with time. I think, uh, you know, it used to be when Philip Rivers was there, it was like a, it, it was almost dreadful for Chargers fans because it's like, when are we going to finally turn the corner? But you're playing with a rookie, a, a rookie that nobody really thought was NFL ready, who's come out and and played lights out. So I think a year or two, and Justin Herbert's gonna be winning these close games like this. Yeah, I mean, as you know, we're we're both. I mean, your Chiefs are obviously your team, and and I like the Chiefs. Are you know behind the Cowboys, my number two, because um, I'm in the area. Uh, but I mean, it's it's a, honestly it's a little worrisome to look at the Chargers uh, when you think about what they're doing, and they're doing this without some of their best players. They're doing this without you know, uh, uh, oh my God, Del, uh, the safety. Delvin James. <laughs> yeah. We don't know his uh, name because he never plays. Yeah. No. <laughs> Derwin uh, James. Derwin James. Derwin James. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Derwin James. Uh, and they're doing it without Austin Eckler. And they're doing it, you know, without some of these big name guys. I think they're center, Mike Pouncey, or one of yeah. the Pounceys is out. Yeah. One of the Pou- yeah. Uh, so they're doing it without, you know, some of their, some of their best players. And so it's like, if those guys actually come back next year, and are healthy and then they add some people through free agency add some people through the draft and people progress how they should and they learn how to finish a game i mean 
the Chargers are kind of a scary team, honestly. <laughs> so yeah. uh, something to definitely watch in the future. Let's take a look at uh, another rookie quarterback. We'll just keep going down the list here. Uh, Dolphins Cardinals. This had to be the the shocking game of the week to me. Dolphins pulled off 34-31. Super entertaining game, and we had talked about uh, it was hard to give Brian Flores coach of the year because, to me, it was like we didn't know whether this decision to start Tua was a good one or bad one. Well, turns out it might be okay. 20 of 28, 248 yards of two touchdowns for Tua, and they get the win. Uh, they're actually sitting in good shape. They're five and three, same as the Cardinals. And and, and honestly, uh, I don't think they're out of reach of this division right now. I mean, they're only a game back, so we'll see what happens. But how'd you like the Dolphins here? Yeah, I mean, great game. Let it be known that I actually did give Brian Flores my coach of the year. Um, just saying, letting it, you know, throwing it out there for everyone's information. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a fun game to watch. You had, you know, Kyler Murray, you had Tua. Uh, I mean, the, these great elite college quarterbacks that are playing at a high level in the NFL. Uh, Tua didn't look great his first start, but this game, I mean, he, you know, like you said, what, 20 or 28 for 250 yards, basically, and two yep. touchdowns. Yep. Uh, I mean, made some plays with his legs. Uh, the Dolphins, you know, again, uh, the defense the defense showed up in the fourth quarter. They kind of struggled those first three quarters, gave up 31 points in three quarters, but then they shut out the Cardinals in the fourth quarter and, and – um, allowed the offense to make that little bit of a comeback to win, you know, win the game by three points. So um, it was a phenomenal game by the Dolphins. I don't think it was a bad game by the Cardinals necessarily. Um, again, they put up 31 points. They're missing some pieces on defense right now. Um, so it's not surprising that they gave up some big plays on on uh, the defensive side of the ball. But both teams, five and three, I think they're both ahead of schedule. Uh, the Dolphins are definitely ahead of schedule. Uh, the Cardinals, honestly, I think they're a little ahead of schedule. Um, I honestly thought going into the season they'd be three and five or four and four at this point. So to be five and three, I think they're ahead of schedule, um, still in playoff contention, um, still looking good. Uh, so not a not necessarily a bad loss um, for the Cardinals, but a great win by the Dolphins. Yeah, I really like seeing it, especially because you know last year we were talking about Dolphins tanking, and uh, we felt bad for Brian Flores. We thought he was going to be the scapegoat, just get him in there, let him tank, and fire him. Uh, they stuck with him. They rebuilt the team, and and they're they're one of those teams that you talked about earlier. We kept saying we just want to see a little bit of progression week in week out, and they're I mean they're looking at possibly winning this division. So uh, there's going to be some really fun games coming up, Dolphins, Bills, and stuff like that. So I can't wait for that one. Yep. All right. Speaking of my coach here, candidate stomping on that cowboy ass this week. I'm just kidding. Uh, Steelers win twenty four nineteen. A lot closer than anyone really thought. Um, do you like the new quarterback over Ben DiNucci is the real question. Yeah, Garrett Gilbert. I mean, he played he played a hell of a game. I mean, he made some really great plays with his legs, uh, made some really smart throws. He had the interception toward the end. I know that. Um, but, I mean, the, the thing I love seeing most is um, it kind of validates what I was saying early in the season is, you know, once the Cowboys can get some of the defensive guys healthy, uh, the defense isn't that bad from a skill standpoint. They just had – they just had so many injuries on that team, uh, and now they're actually getting healthy. And you can see that the defense is actually pretty good. Um, they still have some holes, and 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 now Diggs, I know, is banged up a little bit, but they got Chidobe Awuzie coming back off the IR, um, so that'll kind of fill some gaps. And if Diggs is able to play, their their secondary is actually looking pretty good. Uh, 
um, having Sean Lee and Van Der Esch back there is making. I a did see run. Diggs is projected to miss four to six weeks. Yeah, um, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate because I think he was really in, you know, online for you know to at least be in the conversation for uh, defensive rookie of the year. But yeah. um, I mean, I, once that that secondary is healthy um, completely, I, like I said. Uh, they're losing digs, but they do get a woozy back. Who's a, a regular starter. So I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop off there, honestly. Uh, and then, you know, getting Vander Ash back at linebacker, getting Sean Lee back, um, getting some of the, you know, adding Randy Gregory on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he made a huge play on, I think it was a four, fourth down, third down, fourth down mm-hmm. um, and short. And uh, I mean, he, he's looking great. Um, I mean, you're seeing the reason why the Cowboys have, have held on to him for as long as they have. Uh, with he and Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, I think is like the number five. I mean, he's not really getting the sacks that I want to see him get, but he's still, I think the number five or six defensive end in the NFL right now. Um, and just overall just production, um, which is really saying something. So, I mean, you're seeing there, there's flashes on the defense and, and the offense, you know, you saw what it could look like potentially without Dak Prescott, um, Zeke Elliott was pretty banged up going into the game. I knew that he wasn't going to be playing a ton. Uh, Tony Pollard looked great, though, at running back. Nine carries, 57 yards. Uh, C.D. Lamb made some really good plays. Uh, uh, Dalton Schultz made some good plays. I think if they can get a little more protection on the offensive line, the offense is kind of where you know they want it to be at this point. But uh, it was a good game by them. Steelers, you know, they made a nice comeback. Uh, uh, I think they were down – 19 to nine going into the fourth quarter they scored 15 points in the fourth quarter to win the game um a win's a win at the end of the day they played a pretty sloppy game um but again they you know wins a win so um they're eight known cowboys are two and seven and you know is what it is yep still in contention in the nfc east <laughs> All right, let's move on to this train wreck performance by tom brady i just want to preface this by i picked the saints to win here um I don't know. I remember who you picked. I'm almost positive it was the Bucks. I think it was the Saints. No, it was definitely the Bucks. I remember. Um, anyway, Saints 38 to three wasn't even close. Definitely, I think they said this was the worst game of Tom Brady's career. Yep. Um, we were chatting before the show. He was the fifth ranked quarterback in this game by passer rating, which is insane. So Drew Brees number one, Jameis Winston number two, Taysom Hill number three. Um, Blaine Gabbert, who didn't even throw a pass, had a better QBR than Tom Brady. So, yikes. Saints are – to me, this makes it almost impossible. I know they have the same record, essentially, uh, same amount of wins anyway, but this is going to make it really hard for the Bucs to win this division because the Saints are going to hold the tiebreaker no matter what now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is a – I did pick the Bucs. Oh, I know. But yeah, I mean, this was just a. You uh, also picked I, the Cowboys. I mean, what what do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah, I almost won that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was pure domination by the Saints in in every aspect of this game. I mean, Drew Brees looked great, threw for four touchdowns. Uh, Michael Thomas was back, had a good game. Defense looked phenomenal. Uh, and the Bucks, and, and you know, you would think adding Mike Evans and and having all these weapons. Uh, or sorry, adding Antonio Brown um, to, you know, with Mike Evans and Godwin and and uh, Gronkowski and all these guys and, and Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Um, this offense should have looked phenomenal, honestly, but uh, d- 
did not. I mean, I, I don't know what it was, what the Saints really did. I mean, I know that they blitzed him quite a bit. They put pressure on him, got him out of his comfort zone. But, you know, that's nothing Tom Brady hasn't faced before, and he's still never had a game this bad. Uh, so, I mean, it, this was just a dominant performance by the Saints, and I think uh, really establishes that the Saints are, are, you know, one of, if not the best team in the NFC, honestly. So what you're saying is that my projections of a Chiefs-Saints Super Bowl are still realistic. I said one of the best teams. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you picked the Cowboys there, so yikes. Uh, yeah, but I changed my pick to the Buck. I, you know, I went with the- <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, on so- to the next. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Tom Brady's old team because it wasn't pretty for them either. Patriots, uh, they pulled one out in the last second, 30 to 27 of the Jets. Uh, we've been saying it all year, like almost making fun of, and uh, you predicted that Adam Gase be fired this week, and somehow he's still hanging on. But the Jets dominated this game. They were ahead the whole game until the last little bit. So uh, Patriots are in trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the the Joe Flacco, man, who knew he could still play a little bit? He is uh, elite. Yeah, elite, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw that. I saw that. Um, yeah, I mean, he the, the Jets play, played a really good game up until the fourth quarter when it actually mattered. Uh, you know, Cam Newton actually looked pretty good. Uh, didn't throw any touchdowns, but <clears throat> had a good completion percentage, threw for 274 yards. He ran for two touchdowns. Uh, Damian Harris uh, for the Patriots ran for 71 yards, so he looked pretty good. And then Jacoby Myers, uh, 12 catches for 169 yards for the Patriots, uh, making some big plays for him. So, uh, it was an ugly win, but we've said all year, you know, it doesn't matter if you win by a point or 20 points or 30 points, a win's a win. Uh, it, you know, it may not have been the prettiest win, but you know, like the Steelers, they, they walked away with it. So <laughs> absolutely. All right, let's take a look at this week's game. Finally, Thursday night football has a very entertaining game. Colts Titans tomorrow night. Who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the Titans. Um, I, I, you're going to yeah. get off that Colts train finally. Uh, I'm not off the Colts train overall, just for this week, at least. Um, I just like how the Titans are playing. I think they, they played well last week. They had a good game. Uh, Colts offense kind of struggled. I know they were going against the Ravens who do have a good defense, but, um, I just, you know, overall, I, I think their, their strengths and weaknesses are roughly the same, uh, between these two teams, but the, the Titans just have a little better running or not a little better, a lot better running game. Uh, than the Colts, and I think that's going to be the difference here. So uh, I do like the Titans in this game. Yeah, I'm going to go Titans. Uh, running game's better, and honestly, I think Tannehill's better than than Philip Rivers right now. So I got Titans in this one. Relatively easy, I think. All right. All right. Texans at the Browns. Who do you got? Oh, man. Uh, can I choose neither? Uh, I'm, yeah. Oh, man. Um. I'm going to go Texans. Um, I, I don't really like how the, the Browns offense looked without Odell Beckham. Not that it looked amazing with him. Um, I do like how the Texans uh, played last week on offense, at least. Uh, Deshaun Watson's having a good year overall. Uh, Will Fuller, I mean, he's quietly on pace to get right around 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns receiving. I mean, I know we've kind of commented that he's not as good as DeAndre Hopkins, which he's not. But at the end of the day, if you have, you know, 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, I mean, that's a pretty incredible season by a wide receiver. 
Uh, and that's what he's on pay. And he's going to do that on seven, you know, around 70 catches, 75 catches, uh, which is incredible when you really think about it. Uh, so I, I just, I kind of like how the, the, the Texans offense is looking right now. Uh, and I just, I don't have any faith in, uh, in Baker Mayfield and, and this Browns offense at the, at this moment, despite being five and three. I'm going to go Browns. I don't think Nick Chubb's playing. He said he might not be ready to play this week. Um, I think they did activate him, but yeah, I think he's still dealing with a little bit of soreness from his injury. I think Kareem Hunt's enough, though. I I mean, this Texans team, they haven't been good all year, and beating up on the Jags isn't really a, an accomplishment. <laughs> I mean, they had a close game against the Jaguars who were starting a quarterback who you know wouldn't be on the practice squad on a lot of teams. So nothing against oh. him. He's just not a uh, – yeah, it was a little harsh, wasn't it? Ouch. Like, but honestly, he wouldn't probably be on an active roster for the team, and he started, and the Texans almost lost to him. So I'm going to go Browns. Okay, fair enough. All right. That football team is going to Detroit, take on the Lions. Who do you got? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the Washington football team here. Um, and this wow. is more of a, this is more of a sympathy pick because I just want to see <laughs> – I want to see Alex Smith get a win. Um, you know, I just I, – I, I really love Alex Smith. I think he's – I think he's a hell of a guy. I think he's a great football player. Uh, I'm hoping that, as much as it hurts me to say, I'm hoping that Washington rallies around him and uh, can get him a win. I love Alex Smith, but I can't make that pick. I'm going. I'm going Lions here. Uh, Matt Stafford. I think they said he's finally, you know, back home and healthy and and ready to go. So I'm going to go Lions here, just because I honestly don't know, especially if Alex Smith gets dinged up and and Stephen Montez comes in or whatever, whatever happens there. I just don't think Washington's got the firepower. Okay, you obviously don't love Alex Smith as much as I do. <laughs> Ouch. That's, that's, that's a little hurtful, okay? Yeah. <laughs> All right, how about this one? This one to me is a lot more interesting than it was last week, if you had asked me before the games. Bucks at the Panthers, who do you got? Uh, I'm going to go with the Buccaneers on this one, um, solely because I'm seeing reports that – You would. Yeah, I'm seeing reports that uh, – McCaffrey's not expected to play this week. He banged up his shoulder on a tackle at the end of the game last week. Uh, uh, dirty Dan Sorensen, uh, you know, kind of threw him to the ground a little bit and hurt his shoulder. So they're not expecting to play this week, uh, which obviously I think completely changes that Panthers offense. And and uh, the Buccaneers have have lost three games this year, and it's been this you know the sky is falling in all three of them, and they've come back and played really great games the next week. So uh, I, I think the Buccaneers take this one. You're just a dirty Tom Brady lover, aren't you? Oh yeah. Secretly I have three different Tom Brady jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a good bucks too. <laughs> only because honestly, if Christian McCaffrey plays, I probably would take the Panthers here just because I really honestly like the way Teddy Bridgewater plays when, te- when Christian McCaffrey's in. Yeah. Because it takes the pressure off of him. He can dump off to the flats, which I don't know if there's a, maybe Alvin Kamara, a better running back at doing something with the ball out of the backfield than Christian McCaffrey. Dude's a beast. Um, I hate to see him out already again after missing so much time. Thanks, Dirty Dan. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to go Bucks in this one. Yeah, it really hurts my fantasy team, too. Yeah. Like that's that's okay by me, actually. <laughs> All right. This one, God, you know, these have to be the most boring games. Eagles, Giants, just pick it, I guess. I'm going Giants only because it keeps it, it keeps the Cowboys in the playoff hunt as much as I want the Cowboys not to make the playoffs because I'd like I'd love to see them with the top five pick, um, but if it can give me a little bit of hope, why not? 
So I'm going to go with the Giants strictly for that. Plus, Carson Wentz has played like trash this year. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much mirroring those sentiments. I got the Giants winning, not because of anything with the division, but I read a report today. Not only is Carson Wentz leading the league in picks, he's also leading the league in dropped interceptions against him, meaning he should be leading by a whole bunch more. So he's playing really bad. I've, you know, Daniel Jones has made a couple bonehead moves, but I actually like the way he plays. Kate can run really well. If he can just clean up some of those turnovers, I think they can actually win some games here. So I'm going to go Giants too. If he can stay on his feet too, he'd have a really long touchdown. Run. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Stupid turf monster tackled him. Yeah. All right, how about Jags and Packers? I almost, I almost said that like it was going to be close, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's got to be the Packers. I don't care if Minshew's playing or Jake Lutton. It doesn't really matter. Um, the the Jaguars just don't have enough talent to, to keep up with the firepower of the Packers. Uh, so I, I, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, is almost borderline. I think another another bad game by Russell Wilson and another great game by Aaron Rodgers, and you, you could make the argument that Aaron Rodgers is, is at least number two in the MVP voting. Yeah, I'm going to go just simply Packers by two scores. Jags just don't have the talent. Okay. Okay. This one's going to be probably my game of the week candidate. Bills, Cardinals. This is going to be a fun matchup of teams that nobody expected to really be that good. But, uh, damn, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Bills on this one. Um, I just, I, I mean, I honestly, I, I love Josh Allen. I love how he's playing right now. Uh, I love his connection with Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs, think about if you look at his stats, Stephon Diggs is on pace for uh, over 120 catches, over 1,600 yards, and I believe six or seven touchdowns. Um, I mean, he is looking like one of, if not the best receiver in all of football, honestly. Uh, definitely a top five, I believe. Uh, and Allen's playing lights out football. The defense is starting to come around a little bit. We saw him. You know, they gave up some points to the Seahawks last week, but they also forced four turnovers. Uh, so the defense is starting to come around a little bit. Uh, we saw the the Cardinals get into a game similar to this last week, and they ended up losing the game. So uh, I, I'm going to go with the Bills for that reason. This one's a tough one to me because I think the one thing that the Bills have struggled with a little bit this year is consistency. Um, yeah. And, you know, they had a really, if they play like they did last week, Bills are easily going to win this. But I actually going to go Cardinals on this one. I mean, you, the same Bills team that blew out the, the Seahawks last week also almost lost to the Jets a couple weeks ago. So, and they got blown out by the Chiefs. So it's kind of a which, which team are you going to get here? And the Cardinals, even when they lose, they play well. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've played really well. Last week, uh, Kyler Murray had three touchdowns. I think this is going to be a super close game, but I'm going to take the Cardinals squeaking it out. Okay. And spoiler for my next pick, Dolphins, if they win here, which I think they will, tied for the lead in the division. So right. on that game, Chargers, Dolphins, who do you got? I'm going Dolphins. I mean, they two is two and zero oh as a starter. Um, I think I think honestly, Justin Herbert's the better quarterback at this point, but I think the Dolphins are a better team at this point. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm going with the Dolphins. I'm gonna go Dolphins too. I think. Uh, the Dolphins are going to find a way to win the close games that the Chargers can't win right now. So I do think it will be close, and I think that it's going to be another great I mean, rookie versus rookie matchup here. It's going to be fantastic to watch, but I got the Dolphins in a close one. All right. Broncos, Raiders, who do you got? I'm going the, the Raiders on this one. Um, I mean, kind of – 
kind of similar to last week. I mean, the the Broncos, I think, have some good things going for them, but the the uh, you know the Broncos aren't playing complete games, kind of like the Chargers aren't playing complete games. Uh, the Raiders, uh, you know, I'm not super super. I mean, sold on them at this point. They're having a great season, I believe, but uh, I I think they're able to put together a, a more complete game than the Broncos are. Uh, I think it's a close game. It's probably a five or six point game, less than a touchdown, I believe. But I think the Raiders uh, will pull it out. I hope they just beat each other up. Real physical game because the Chiefs have a bye week. And then they get the Raiders on the uh, post Andy Reid bye week game, which is fantastic. Sunday uh, night football, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. Which obviously Chiefs do good after bye weeks typically with Andy Reid. So it'll be a revenge game here. I'm excited about it. But I'm going to take the Raiders too. I just, I don't. I haven't seen honestly Drew Locke put together a full game yet. Yeah. If he does, they got a chance. And I think that is true on any game that the Broncos really play. They got a good defense. If they can just get a complete well, you know, a good game with no turnovers from Drew Locke, they have a chance. But I'm going to take the Raiders here. Okay. How about Seahawks and Rams NFC West showdown? What do you got? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with the Seahawks on this one. Um, the Rams have, I think they've lost what two out of their last three, I believe, or two out of their last four. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of struggling a little bit. Uh, Russell Wilson, I don't believe he's going to have back to back bad games. Um, I don't think he plays nearly as bad as he did last week. I think he comes out, has a big game, um, throws probably three touchdowns. I could see, um, DK Metcalf having a phenomenal season. I know there's a possibility of Chris Carson being back this week. Um, I know he's at least practicing a little bit, so, uh, they're, he was, you know, kind of a late scratch last week. So I believe Chris Carson will be back this week from what I'm hearing. Uh, that obviously changes the running game a little bit for the Seahawks. And I think that's where they've struggled. So I'm going with the Seahawks in this. I'm going to go with the upset here. I'm going to pick the Rams. Um, I think we've, we've said Seahawks D they're allowing 30 points a game. Uh, And if I think if the Rams can get to 30, they're going to beat the Seahawks because Aaron Donald, let's just. Put it plain and simple. He's my uh, defensive player of the year midseason, and and I think he's going to cause havoc. If nothing else, he's going to make Russell Wilson ditch the pocket and run around, which he's really good at. But that's also when he fumbles, and it's also when he can throw some picks when he gets rushed. So I think it's going to be a close one, but I think I'm going to take the upset with the Rams here. Okay. And that would actually put the Rams in a tie for first in the division. So that division is going to be really interesting because I think let me verify that before I say that. Yeah, Rams are five and three, Seahawks six and two. So uh, that would really shake things up in the West there. Yep. How about Bengals Steelers? Who you got? Bengals. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm going, wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to Steelers. I think it's a. I think it's going to be a close game. I mean, the Bengals. Every game they've played this year, outside outside of that Ravens game where they got blown out, um, has been a close game this year. Uh, Joe Burrow is playing really well. I believe uh, Joe Mixon will be back this week, um, which will help stabilize that running game. But the Steelers, they're just too good on defense, too good on offense uh, for the Bengals to to keep up with for an entire game. So I think the Steelers pull this game out, but I do believe it's going to be competitive. Yeah, I actually think I think the Bengals have a shot at this, but I think the Steelers win mainly because uh, the Cowboys roughed up Big Ben last week. He was, he was out for a few plays, and he looked like he was uh, – pretty banged up and, and earlier in the season you heard us talk about he was saying just after playing a game it felt like he was hit by a car well yeah. a game that he's injured in he may be a little uh shaky joe mixon runs well and and joe burrow plays the way he can like they got a chance but i'm gonna obviously take the steelers it's i just don't think the Bengals don't have 
quite enough talent, but I do think they have maybe a you know, 15, 20% chance of winning this game. All right. That's exact numbers. 15, 20%. Okay. Take it to the bank. All right. Speaking of percentages, 0%. No, I'm just kidding. 49ers at the Saints. I'm going the Saints on this one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. um, I, again, I, I just the 49ers, they have so many injuries that they just can't compete with the Saints. The Saints have Michael Thomas back now. Drew Brees is is really starting to click lately. Um, I mean, he's looking like like old Drew Brees uh, or like regular Drew Brees, I should say. Um, Alvin Kamara is still playing. I mean, he's having a phenomenal season. I think he's got like eleven or 1,200 yards of total offense right now um, with eight or nine touchdowns. So, uh, I mean, he's playing a, you know, having a phenomenal year. And again, getting Michael Thomas back is, is a huge deal for the saints. So, uh, and the defense looked phenomenal against, uh, uh, the Buccaneers last week who have a much better offense than, uh, than the 49ers do obviously at this point. So I think the saints win this pretty easy. Yeah. I'm with you. I think if this was, you know, both teams completely healthy, this is probably game of the week, but it's not 49ers have nobody on their team left. So I'm gonna go saints here. All right, let's get to our primetime games here. Sunday night football. <laughs> what should have probably been a good one, but who knows? Ravens at the Patriots. Who do you got? Yeah, this is kind of an intriguing game because record-wise and with how the Patriots have played recently, you would think that this is an easy win for the the Ravens, but the Ravens offense is sputtering so much. And I mean, if if you have the Colts calling out plays that the Ravens are running, you know for sure that Bill Belichick knows what they're doing. Um uh, so I, I think this is going to be a closer game than people are probably imagining. It's going to be a great battle of two running quarterbacks um, for sure. Um, but I think I think the Ravens have enough to pull it out. I think, again, this is kind of like the Steelers-Bengals. I think it's a closer game than a lot of people are thinking, probably less than a touchdown. Um, I think the Patriots will make it interesting, but I think the Ravens uh, pull it out in the end. This one's really tough for me. I like everything you said there. Plus, I add in the fact that Lamar Jackson doesn't have the best primetime record. And uh, it's making me think here, but I just can't. I mean, any team that almost loses to the Jets can't beat the Ravens, right? Yeah. Um, if anyone has a chance, I think it's because remember what we said. You have to just stop one thing. They, they, we know what they're doing. The Patriots know what they're doing. Bill Belichick definitely knows what they're doing. All you got to do is stop it. Can they? That's to be debatable. But I think uh, I think the Ravens are going to win this. So I think it's going to be closer than everyone thinks, though. All right. How about this Monday night showdown here? Vikings-Bears. I'm going Vikings. Um, I like how they're playing the last couple weeks. I know that the, we've discussed the Bears are, you know, they're, they've got a winning record, but it's not a great winning record. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I mean, you look at his stats, he's on pace for 1,700 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. I mean, that's unreal. Uh, I mean, those are, you know, Madden stats almost. Um, Kirk Cousins, I mean, we, we kind of joke about him a little bit, but he's still on pace to throw for 30 touchdowns this year, which is pretty solid. You know, that's a, that 30 touchdowns is nothing to sleep on. Uh, and then they got Justin Jefferson. They've got Thielen. You know, the defense is starting to come around a little bit. Um, this could be the game they need against a, a struggling offense to kind of build the confidence. And we talked about the Vikings being that upset team, being the team to, you know, the spoiler team basically in the second half. So, uh, I think they continue that with with this uh, win against the Bears. <laughs> I, you know, this is I love Matt Nagy, loved him when he was with the Chiefs. But when I'm looking at this, they were almost four and zero with with Mitch Trubisky. They benched him. They're now five and four. Yeah. So was that really the best decision? I mean, we've talked about it too. It's painful watching the Bears try to score. Yeah. Uh, 
it's the opposite of like watching somebody like the Ravens or the Chiefs where they just score with ease. The the Bears, it's like, oh my God, they scored a touchdown. Yeah. So um and the way Dalvin Cook's running, I don't know that Kirk Cousins has to do much, but I'm I'm gonna take the Vikings here because I just don't know how the Bears are gonna score points. All right. All right. So that sums up a nice, interesting week. Any other headlines you're looking at? Uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of, again, we've got some really good matchups here this week. We've got some potential upset picks um, like the Bengals over the Steelers, um, the Vikings technically over the Bears. Um, you know, the Panthers and Broncos could be a closer game than we're expecting. Uh, you know, some potential playoff implications, surprisingly, with those with that Eagles-Giants game. So, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of games that look like they are meaningless games or like they're going to be blowouts this week. But um, I think that I think when you actually really look deep into some of the matchups, uh, there's going to be a lot of really great games this week and, and a lot of really good football this week. I just want to say a little bit about this, too, because they actually approved today as well, an emergency if it needs it, if, if COVID games happen or get canceled or whatever, um, a possible, I mean, what was it, 16 game playoff or 16 team playoff, sorry, um, which would make it eight from each division and it would be seeded by win percentage if, if the games had to be canceled or whatever. Um, that could really make things interesting in some of these tight division races, especially like, you know, we're talking about the Dolphins and the Bills that are a really tight race. We're talking yeah. about the NFC West, which is a really tight race. Um, it's going to be, it, it could be one crazy ass offseason or uh, postseason if that happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's almost one of those you almost want it to happen and, and just to see it. Yeah. Uh, you know, Half the teams make the playoffs, that'd be pretty nuts. Yeah, like obviously we we want the season to go through the way it is because if this situation happens, it means some games have been canceled and that's, you know, no one wants to see less football, honestly. I, th- I think we're all here to see as much football as we possibly can, um, college included. I hate seeing, you know, all these Big Ten games canceled and things like that um, in college football. That drives me insane that they're not even considering rescheduling any of them. Um, so I, I mean, I don't want to see games canceled necessarily, but the intrigue is there to see how a 16 team playoff would actually work. And just to briefly touch on that, we haven't done much college football, but the big 10, they are running the worst football conference right now. Um, as far as COVID rules and the way that they scheduled this conference is a complete joke and yeah. it's embarrassing, honestly, because they canceled the season. A little prematurely, I think, when all the other conferences, you know, you look around the nation, all, none of the other ones were doing it at the time. They were the first ones to come out and cancel it. Then they felt the heat and they saw that everyone else was doing it okay. Um, and they just, everyone was complaining, including Nebraska, Ohio State. They complained to get it back. They only brought it back just so they could say that they did it. They they scheduled eight tight weeks with no bye weeks and no makeup games. And if it was, if you had COVID tests, it was just a no contest. Mm-hmm. And it's literally, it, it feels like a, a giant preseason, honestly. Yeah. Um, it's like, it, it doesn't feel like it even matters. These teams are playing and, and I don't think any of them have a shot at the playoff, even, even Ohio state. It's like, how can you take a team that uh, the way things are going could potentially have six, seven wins <laughs> into yeah. the playoffs. It seems insane. Yeah. And, and, and some, it was, it was funny. Um, you know, and I'm not a big 10 fan. I don't, I don't root for any team in the big 10. They're not my conference. Um, but it's still, you know, it kind of infuriated me to see guys like, uh, who is it? Uh, Paul Feinbaum in, uh, on ESPN who, you know, is really just shoved up the SEC's ass and 
basically saying what a disgrace Nebraska is for trying to get Chattanooga State to play them uh, or for trying to play Chattanooga State after their I think their Wisconsin game was canceled. And it's like, yeah. you know, Nebraska has been really open. Like they just want to play football. Like they, you know, and, and Chattanooga State, yeah, I understand you're going from from a probable loss to a probable win, uh, and you're picking kind of an easy opponent. I understand that. I get it. Um, but at the end of the day, like Nebraska hasn't hit anything. They haven't they haven't really sat there and complained about this. They've they've been pretty honest and upfront about literally just wanting to play. Like they just want to play. They don't really care who it's against. Um, they just want to play football. And and for someone like that to call them an embarrassment because of that. Uh, you know, the Nebraska is one of the biggest reasons the Big Ten's even having football this year. Uh, so I think that was kind of a little frustrating because, you know, the SEC definitely hasn't done everything, you know, perfectly because you see guys like Nick Saban and stuff, at, you know, catching COVID or, um, or testing positive or whatever it was that happened to him and some other guys too. Um, so they've had their issues there. And I, I mean, obviously that guy, because again, he's kind of stuck up their ass, um, is overlooking all of that stuff. But uh, criticizing other conferences and other teams and things like that, that are literally just, you know, again, they've been open and upfront about just wanting to play. Like doesn't matter who they play. Um, you know, obviously they probably picked a little too easy of an opponent, but you're not going to find a top 25 opponent on, on a few days notice, you know? Well, and, and here's the other thing. First, let me start by saying Paul Feinbaum's a fucking idiot. And, and I'm not going to uh, mince words there. Everything he says is a bunch of shit and I hate that guy. So let's move on from that and say, what are they afraid of? I mean, it's not like Nebraska is competing for a national title. I think yeah. the last poll that came out there in the bottom 20 in the nation. So yeah. is Chattanooga state or whatever, really that, uh, you know, they might beat Nebraska, who knows, but what we're, what Nebraska is doing this year, we talked about it with like the dolphins in the NFL. We want to see progression. This is a rebuild that Scott Frost is doing. He needs games to get his guys some experience because that's the only way that they can improve. And yep. when all these teams are canceling games, like they got to play somebody, we got to play games. Otherwise you're just losing a year essentially. Yeah. And you got to get guys that, you know, your freshmen playing and, and your seniors get some playing time before they have to leave and all this stuff. And in that whole story, they called Chattanooga state or whatever, I think it was Chattanooga state. And yeah. uh, they had the buses loaded. They were ready to come. They were ready to play. Everything was ready to go. And the big 10 overruled it. And it's yeah. almost like, what are they afraid of? Are they afraid that, oh, Nebraska's going to win the Big Ten because they've got an easy game? Like, there's no chance of that right now. Yeah. Nebraska's not that team. They're not the team right now that's going to compete. They just want to – they just need to play for experience, for the fans. And and it's to me, it's absolutely ridiculous what the Big Ten's doing. And and uh, it's going to be a failure all the way across the board because COVID's going to hit these teams. They're not going to play. I think they would have been fine. It's obviously Wisconsin has that option of not playing, but um, Wisconsin probably could have played and competed against Nebraska with all their COVID players out. They didn't have the threshold. I think it's like 30 players or something like that. And they only had like 10 players that had it. Yeah. And it's their right to cancel the game, whatever. But to me, if you cancel the game, somebody should be able to step in there and play. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I hate the way the big Ten's doing it. And it's kind of the laughing stock of the league right now. Yeah, and, and and again, I mean, I, what the frustrating part for me right now is, um, you know, they're you're basically having, you know, I think really the Big Ten just denied the game because it's Nebraska. And Nebraska forced their hand. I think it's a, a a subtle punishment, is what it what it is. Honestly, is the only reason I can think of of why they wouldn't let Nebraska play the game. Um, and and then number two, it's like you're asking these guys to to use up a year of eligibility. 
um, for what they're going to end up getting five or six games because you won't let them play. Right. Um, I mean that that to me that's ridiculous. Um, and now obviously they could change that and they could say, hey, we're going to, you know, since this was such a weird year, we're going to give everyone a, a waiver that you get an extra year if you want it. Um, but again, it's like if they don't do that or if they take that away, then then I mean this is this is a complete waste of a year because you know they already they already screwed Nebraska with the schedule they gave them. I mean you could for them to say that that wasn't anything personal and that that's just how the you know the coin flipped basically um, with that schedule they gave them is ridiculous. Like they gave them that schedule to punish Nebraska. Um, there's no ifs ands or buts about that. Like they wanted to punish Nebraska with that schedule. Um, and then when Nebraska actually has a team you know ready and willing to play and and to to make up for that game and they tell them no, I mean, that they're they're absolutely taking shots at Nebraska right now. And I say that as a guy that's not a Nebraska fan. Um, I ha- I mean, you're a Nebraska fan. I've been to a Nebraska game, but I mean, I don't, you know, personally care if Nebraska wins or loses. Um, I'd kind of like to see them win because, you know, they're one of the, the, you know, premier teams in college football throughout history. Um, obviously not lately, but it's like I'd like to see them get back to those winning ways because I think when they win, college football is better. Um, but I, I don't care at the end of the day, you know, one way or the other. Um, but I mean, they're absolutely being punished for this. Well, and any of the things like Desmond Howard saying, kick their ass out to Nebraska, whenever Nebraska is petitioning to get the games back on, but then when Ohio state does it, he's like, they should come back. And he's all on board Ryan day and, and all happy that, that the big Ten's back. And the same guy was calling for the big, the big 10 to kick Nebraska out because they wanted to play. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, talk about hypocrisy. And and there everyone talks about SEC homerism in the in the media's but in the media, but the Big Ten, the Big Ten media is homered towards Ohio State. Yeah, I mean for everything. Sure. Even and even Michigan. Michigan is irrelevant. Let's just be completely yeah. honest about that. They're irrelevant with John Harbaugh right now. Or Jim Harbaugh, yeah. sorry. Um, and yet they still get the the preferential treatment. So honestly. There was talk about Nebraska pulling out of the Big Ten. I wouldn't be opposed to it. Go back to the Big Twelve. Well, I mean, the, the Nebraska for the really the last God, what twenty five years or so. I mean, they've really kind of been, you know, in limbo, honestly, because they were never, you know, they were never truly accepted in the Big Twelve because they were, you know, Nebraska came in as a as a downhill running team in a passing friendly conference. Uh, so they were never necessarily accepted in the Big 12. They didn't really make a lot of sense in the Big 12, honestly. But then when they go to that run-heavy conference like the Big 10, the, the Big 10 has never really accept, accepted them either. Um, they've never really been accepted in either conference. They were more accepted in, in the Big 12 because they had a little more success. Um, but, I mean, they've kind of been in, in a kind of a conference limbo for 25 years, honestly. Um, because they haven't really fit in either conference they've been in. And they've never truly been accepted by either conference, but I do think they're a better fit uh, in, you know, in, in the Big 12, honestly, because at this point, I mean, the Big 10 is going to be gunning for them for the next decade anyways, honestly, uh, and trying to give them as hard a schedule as they possibly can, I'm sure. So um, they'd be better just to just to dip out and, and move on. Yeah. Either way, I, I haven't honestly enjoyed college football much at all this year. It's too it's too crazy, chaotic. Don't really know what in the heck's going on. The good teams are losing. <laughs> COVID's knocking Trevor Lawrence out. I mean, it's it's a mess. Who knows what's going to happen in the playoff this year? Um, it, it seems a little crazy looking at how well the NFL's really managed it, and everything seems yeah. pretty normal in the NFL. But college football is chaotic right now. 
Yeah, and it's 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 crazy because you look at teams. You know, it's I, like I I hate when people say, "Oh, this season should have an asterisk," or "This should have an asterisk next to it." But I mean, you almost need it with with college football this year because I mean, you have teams like Cincinnati or what number five or six in the country, but then you also have teams like you know this past week, Florida and Georgia played. And they both had one loss, but one was number like four or five and the other was number seven or eight. Uh, it's like that's, you know, we're we're a good, you know, midway through the season at this point, And you have two one loss teams in the top 10. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty freaking nuts. Yeah. Mike, why don't you tell them where else they can find our podcast? Uh, as always, check us out on gridironauthority.com. Uh, you, all our all 50 episodes are up there. Uh, some articles, some old articles, things like that are up there. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, Apple music, uh, Spotify, uh, Google play, anything like that. You could check us out on, uh, make sure you like, and subscribe, leave us some comments, let us know your feedback, uh, and just keep listening. I do want to give a shout out before we leave here. How about Indiana being in the top 10 in football? Oh, absolutely. That is, that's pretty insane, right? Yeah, that's that's crazy. I think what they win they who was it they beat this last week? Penn State for the first time in yeah. what forty years or yeah. something like and, that. And here's and here's where the, the things are gonna get a little shady here, because get this. So Clemson seven and one at number four. Indiana is only three and oh at number ten. And Oregon yeah. is at eleven at one and oh. Yeah. And Wisconsin's at number thirteen at one and oh. Yep. So this is where I don't know what's going to happen, but anyway. Yeah. Crazy stuff. We will see you guys next time.